going to give you the title of the message today. It's on my shirt. The Holy Spirit is the plug. Turn and tell your neighbor, say, say the Holy Spirit is the plug. Now, so I was, um, I think that sometimes my kids are um, impressed that I actually know terminology. And so Canaan says, do you know what the plug is? I said, do you know what the plug is? Because it was the plug before you was born. Do you know what the plug is? And so um, if you look it up in the regular dictionary, it's just a connection um, that transports power from one place to the source. And that's a cool definition. But Urban Dictionary got a better definition. And the de definition of Urban Dictionary is the best one I've read. What's the plug? Someone who has everything you need. <laughs> Tell your neighbor, say the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit. is the plug. Say so you out here working hard trying to find all these sources to get you what you need but I came to tell you that the Holy Spirit is the plug now I say the Bible says Holy Spirit but the Bible also calls him something else that I like a little better because I'm country the Holy Ghost the Holy Ghost is the plug whatever you're looking for Whatever resources you're looking for, there, there, there's always somebody in a neighborhood, in a town, that if you need something, you like, if I can just talk to them, they got the answer. They know some, they either got it directly or they know somebody. They can pick up the phone and get somebody. I'm trying to tell you that the, the, the Holy Ghost is better than whatever plug you got in the natural. Tell your neighbor, say neighbor. Say, I just connected, I just connected to, my to my plug. I have everything I need. Go ahead and praise him. Hallelujah. You can be seated. I'm not going to be with you really long. I really just want to talk to you. I'm going to use a couple of scriptures. I want to talk to you. Thank God for the Holy Spirit. How many of you have been being intentional about saying good morning, Holy Spirit, asking the Holy Spirit for instruction? How many of you are seeing some increase in your life because you are asking the Holy Spirit for instruction? Listen, if you're not, shame on you. If you out here trying to figure it out by yourself when you got the whole power source of God, shame on you. When you, when you being taught that you don't have to try to figure it out, you ain't even got to try to figure out what shirt you go put on. Amen. So I want to teach you this morning. I want to talk about the Holy Spirit being the plug. I'm going to talk about it next week too. But I just kind of want to give you an overview. Use a little more, a few more stories. I want to give a couple of scriptures. Let's go to Isaiah 1 and um, 19. Isaiah 1, 19. That's where we're going to start. Shout the Holy Spirit is the plug. I'm going to have you to say that a lot because I'm trying to get you to unplug what, from wherever you've been trying to get whatever you need it from. I'm trying to get you to unplug from wherever you've been trying to get your needs met from and plug into the person who is equipped to give you everything you need and some stuff you don't even know you need and some stuff you don't even know you want yet. The Holy Spirit is the plug. 
Hallelujah. It says, if you be willing and obedient, you're going to do what? If you are willing and obedient, you are going to eat the good of the land. Understand that when God is asking you to do something, he is not asking you to do it because he doesn't have anything better to do with his life. He is asking you to do it because he is trying to set you up for your best life. He says, so if you are willing and obedient, you're going to eat the good of the land. So that says to me that it is possible for you to be in a land and not be able to taste the goodness of it. That it is possible for you to be in a land. It is possible for you to be in the right industry, in the right marriage, in the right city, in the right school, and not be able to partake in the goodness there because you are not practicing obedience. He says, if you are willing and obedient, you will eat the good of the land. That suggests to me that God wants us to eat the good of the land. Say, God wants me to eat the good of the land. So, in fact, go to Psalms 23. Psalms 23. One of the first scriptures most kids learn. In Psalms 23, we're going to just walk through it. It's not that many verses. It says, the Lord is my shepherd. So if you want him, you're not letting him be your shepherd. Because the promise here is that the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. So any area that I am in want in, I am not allowing him to shepherd that area. Oh, you just go look at me like that? So if, if there is want, he's not the shepherd there. Oh, but I'm saved, but is he the shepherd there? Meaning, can he give you instruction about there? Let's keep going because I want you to look at what he says. Because if he can give you instruction, that means he can make you lie down somewhere. Can the Lord make you lie down somewhere? Can he make you lie down? And I love it. It says because when he makes you lie down, he's going to make you lie down by green pastures. That suggests nourishment. It means that when you lay down, you ought to be sleeping at night because he's making you to lay down and he's letting you lay down in a plush place. He's letting you lay down in a flourishing place. So if you're struggling to sleep at night, ask yourself, is he really the shepherd? But I love Jesus. That wasn't the question. Do you know you can love people that you don't listen to? Ask your mama when you was a teenager. Just because you love him doesn't mean that he can make you lay down. Just because you love him doesn't mean that he's your shepherd. Are you willing and obedient? Do you actually follow instructions? I was talking to my kids the other day, to Taylor, Chase, and Caleb. We were all on FaceTime. We were laughing and joking. It's cool when your kids are grown. They're interesting. They're different. And I was saying to them, there are proverb, there are, there's a parable in the Bible. And the parable in the Bible says that there are these two sons, and the father sends these two sons to the field. One of the sons says, up front, I ain't going, but he go. One son says he's going, but he don't. And I was saying to them that Taylor and Chase, they're really polite. So most of the time if I say something to them, they're going to act like they're going to do it. Most of you are real polite about the things of God. You act like you go do it. You act like you go get on prayer. 
You act like you go participate in a 24-hour fast. You act like it, but when it's time, you don't actually show up. On the other hand, Caleb is the kid who is telling me the whole time he's not going to do it, but he the first one there. Do you know that it is better to say you not go do it and show up and do it than to say that you're going to do it and not do it? Because here's the problem. When you keep saying that you're obedient when you're not, you deceive yourself. So then you think you're something that you're not. James says it like this. You look in the mirror and you see yourself, but you walk away and you forget who you are. Now, let, let, I want to stay in Psalms. Keep going. He restores my soul. We've been teaching for over two years now that your soul is your mind, your will, your emotion, your intellect, and your imagination. So if you're having trouble with your soul, is he the shepherd? But I'm so anxious and I'm stressed out. Oh, that must mean you're the shepherd of the situation. Because why would you be stressed out if you got the plug? My grandmother was the plug in our family. If I called somebody else in my family and they said they were going to do something, I always got off the phone with them and called my grandmother because my grandmother was the plug. I did not necessarily become at ease because someone else in my family said they were going to do something. But if my grandmother said she was going to do it, it was as good as done because she was the plug. So if God has promised you something and you're still stressing over what he already promised, maybe you have a problem understanding that he's actually the shepherd which is why you pray you get a little relief and then you take it back and try to make it happen am I talking to anybody like like like, like I heard what you said I heard what you said I know you said this is going to be my year of harvest so let me see what kind of harvest I can concoct let me see who I can meet and who I can know and what rooms I can be in. Let me see how I can leverage what it is that I know in my intellect. And let me see how I can push my way into a room. And let me see how hard I can work. Because I'm not really sure that he's the plug. And when you're not really sure in the plug, you always got to have a backup plan. With my grandma, I ain't never had no backup plan. With the rest of our family, backup plan. Because when you don't really know the plug, and the plug, you, you don't have the kind of intimacy with the plug to know that the plug always comes through when the plug says it's going to come through. See, you're struggling because he's not your shepherd. See, the whole connotation of a shepherd is that a shepherd not only led the sheep to a good pasture, he also would take that little rod and pull them back when they were about to go into a space that might look green but wasn't. See, the Holy Spirit, he don't tell your neighbor, say the Holy Spirit don't always let you get everything you want. Because some of the stuff you want is actually going to kill you. Let's keep going. Hold on. He restores, back, back, my bad, my bad. He restores my soul, and then he leads me in the paths of righteousness. That word paths suggests that there are more than one. Of righteousness suggests that there is a path that is not righteous. That's why Proverbs says there is a way that seemeth right, but ends in destruction. There are some things in your life, they make intellectual sense. They make sense on paper. They make sense according to the experts, but they don't make righteousness sense. 
And that is the reason he says, I want to lead you in the path of righteousness for the namesake of Jesus. Why? Because in Matthew 6 and 33, it says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all of these things will be added unto you. Say, when I'm on my path, everything I need is already on my path. The illustration that I have been using is a treasure hunt. Has anybody ever participated in a treasure hunt? A couple of years ago, this church sent us on a treasure hunt. And the interesting thing about the treasure hunt is that the next clue was there before we got there. But if they said, go to College Street, go to the Starbucks on College, and we go to the Burger King on College, how many of you know that we weren't going to get the clue? Some of you on the right street, but you in the wrong place because he told you to go here, but you chose to go somewhere else. And then you're wondering why it's not working. You're like, but you said, and he said, but I said it's over here. Well, how will I know that? What did God say? Next verse. He says, yea, though I walk. What's that word? Yea, though I walk. What? Through. What, what's the word through me? Some of you been there too long. He said we walk through the shadow of death. How many of you know shadows can't hurt you? He didn't say you actually walk through death. He said you actually walk through the shadows. He says you're going to walk through some things that look like they're going to kill you, but they just shadows. They don't really have any power to take your life. But how many of you know that you can have a panic attack checking out a shadow? It says, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. The word, the spirit. They comfort me. Where do you get your comfort from? Oh, I know it's that fish bowl of wine you drink like Olivia Pope. Where do you get your comfort from? Those degrees you have. Where do you get your comfort from? Somebody else in your DM. Oh, okay, next verse. Thou preparest a table before me thou preparest a table in before me the tables before me in the presence of my enemies he says there are two things that's happening I got a table for you but it's also some enemies there what you look at is go determine what you see some of you so focused on who you think is against you, you can't even see the table. Whole table spread out in front of you with everything you need and you wasting time talking about haters. You talking about how everybody can't go with you. You talking about how who don't like you. You talking about how I'm not for everybody. It's a whole table that you have completely missed because of where you are looking. He says, thou anointest my head with oil. Say, that's the Holy Ghost. He said, I'm going to give you a table, and I'm going to give you some oil. He said, and if you get a table and some oil, your cup will run over. Yeah. Say, my cup is running over. Running Say, that's increase. That's, increase. That's, harvest. that's harvest. Next verse. Surely. Surely. Goodness. And mercy. Goodness. And mercy. Why need mercy? Mercy 
is God's willingness to get involved in my life. So he's sending some goodness to follow after me, but he got to send some mercy too because sometimes I'm going to miss it. I'm I'm preaching way better than you saying amen. Sometimes I'm going to miss it so he sends mercy and goodness hand in hand so I don't miss the goodness. He gives me some mercy because there's some things I don't deserve. There's some mistakes I have made. There are some ways I have disqualified myself, but he still said, surely goodness and mercy shall follow you all. All. That means I don't have no bad Mondays. That means I don't have no hope Wednesdays. It says, oh, he shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Now, this is interesting. He's got me walking. And he's got some stuff with me. But he says, while I'm walking, I'm dwelling. What an interesting concept that I am both walking and dwelling. Because if I walk long enough, I'm going to walk out of my house. If I walk long enough, I'm going to walk out of my neighborhood. If I walk long enough, I can walk out of my town. That must mean that the house is in me. So I'm walking, but I'm dwelling. But I'm taking land, but I'm dwelling. But I got God with me, and that's why everywhere I go, I got a house. Tell your neighbor, say, but neighbor, if you don't learn to listen to God, you'll miss all of this. Let's go to 1 Corinthians. We're getting real close to being done because I just want to tell you a couple of stories. 1 Corinthians, second chapter, ninth verse. Say the Holy Spirit is the plug. Just say this to yourself, not your neighbor. Say, self, you spend so much time trying to figure out what God has already worked out. How many of you just know that that's the truth about your life? You spend so much time trying to put the pieces together Instead of just saying, where does peace go? But I told him Wednesday night in Little Rock, I said, the problem is, is that what God is asking us to do is so simple, and most of us think we're too deep to be that simple. The Bible says it like this. He says, this gospel is so simple, even a child can do it. Hear and obey. Whatever he tells you to do, do it. It don't always make sense. Sometimes it makes you look like a fool. People don't always understand it. But if you hear and do, you cannot lose. He told me the other day, he said, Sean, he said, the only spiritual warfare weapon you need is hearing and doing. Listen, church folks, I got any people who've been in church a long time? People who've been in church a long time, you think you know God better than God. Let me take away from church. Anybody in a Greek letter organization? Are you Greek? Yes. Have you ever looked back at the intent of the founders and looked at what's happening now and thought to yourself, this is not what these people intended? 
Because what happens is as they got further from the founders, they started making up what they thought the founders would do. And the further you get from God, you start making up what you think God would do. Let me give you an example. In Joshua, he tells Joshua and him, he says, I'm about to give you some land. He says, but the only way you're going to take this land is that you've got to meditate on everything I'm saying. If you're meditating on what I'm saying, you're not stuck in what I said. When they go to fight Jericho, he says to them, here's the instruction. Walk around the city for seven days. Don't say a word for six. Only the horn will blow. On the last day, let out a shout and the wall would fall. When they go to the next battle, he doesn't give them the same instruction. Some of you are trying to fight this battle with the strategies that worked in the last battle because you're so busy thinking about what you think God told you that you can't hear what God is saying. And in church, we love this. Oh, I'm in a situation. Oh, I know what I'll do. I'm going to go on a fast. Oh, I'm in a situation. You know what I'll do? I'll get up early and pray. I'm in a situation, I'm going to sow this seed right here, over here. I'm going to attempt to move God instead of asking God how he wants me to move. God, what would you like me to do? Because sometimes he say, he might say, I just want you to stop and praise me. Other times he might say, I'm going to need you to drink more water. Other times he might say, I'm going to need you to clean up some of them relationships you have right there because they're negatively influencing you and they're constantly speaking against what I'm trying to do in your life. So I know you really like them, but I'm going to go ahead and need you to stop unfollowing them on social media. Have you ever noticed how angry you are when you read their posts? So he says, but I, but it is written, I has not seen nor ear heard, neither have it entered into the heart of man what God has prepared for them that love him. Reality, God has prepared something for everybody because everybody comes from him. They may not remember that they love him right now, but everybody comes from him. That means that there are some things that he has prepared for you that have not entered into your heart you have not seen them with your eyes. You have not heard them with your ears. Wait a minute. You have something prepared for me, but I don't know about it. I have not perceived it. I have not seen it, and I have not heard it. How in the world am I going to get this thing that you have prepared for me that I have not seen, that I have not heard, and has not entered into my heart? I'm so glad you asked. Next verse. But God. Now, we know that the word but cancels out what we just read. There are some things that haven't been revealed to you, but God. There are some things you haven't seen. There are some things you haven't heard, but God. There are some things you don't understand. There is some provision set up for you. You don't know where it is, but God. But God does what? He reveals it by his spirit. You will never live your best life if you don't let the Holy Spirit do his job. Hear me. You will go to heaven because you've accepted Jesus. But you will create a lot of hell when you don't let Holy Spirit do his job. How many of you have ever been in some self-created hell? And here's the crazy thing about us even in self-created hell. Even in self-created hell, we still trying to keep trying to use our own intellect to get out. Instead of just saying, okay, Holy Spirit, 
I've clearly made a whole mess here. I've clearly made a whole mess. Anybody ever got in an argument because the Lord told you to stop talking, but you ain't stopped talking? Like, he, in fact, he said to you, he said, now is not the time. But you said to you, it is the time. Because what you're not going to do is think that you about to handle me like that. Fast forward 12 minutes later, he like, I told you, it wasn't in time. So now you're trying to apologize, but he still told you to hush. Because now it ain't no time for apology. Because now he got to do some work on the other person that you kept talking to when he told you to be quiet. It says, but God has revealed them to us by his spirit. Say the Holy Spirit is the plug. Do you know the Holy Spirit knows where your next is? Tell your neighbor, say, the Holy Spirit already knows where your next is. He says, he reveals them to us by his spirit because the spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. So there are plans in the heart of God regarding you. And the Holy Spirit's job is to search the heart of God to find the foul name Kristen to then reveal to Kristen what's in the file so she can see, say, and have. That's why we have prophetic words. Prophetic words are not supposed to be so you don't ever read your Bible. Prophetic words are supposed to be people who then release what Holy Spirit is saying to somebody about what Holy Spirit is saying about you that needs to be released in the earth realm. And in reality, because most people, your view of yourself, and hear me, this is going to challenge some of you. Your view of yourself, you may have good self-esteem, but here's the question. Do you have God esteem? Because most people are going to admit that they have pretty decent self-esteem. But do you have God esteem? Do you see yourself the way he sees you? Because if you don't see yourself the way he sees you, you will stand in the mirror and tell yourself how cute you are while you talk yourself out of the thing that the Holy Spirit is trying to release in your life. You'll be like, I know I'm smart. The Lord will be like, apply for that job. You're like, I can't apply for that job. But I thought you knew you were smart because you got self-esteem, but you don't have God esteem. Your identity was never supposed to be independent of the Father. Identity comes from fathers. I just want to tell y'all some stories now. I've been talking to my kids about how important it is to hear God. And in reality, I don't think that there is anything more important than hearing God. I don't think that there is anything more, you can, more important that you can do on a day-to-day -day basis. I'm not talking about you get up in the morning and you go in your prayer closet and you pray and you don't talk to the God, God for the rest of the day. I am talking about opening up. Anybody with good friends understand this. Good friends in text message or messenger, don't stop and start over. If you got a good friend, you don't start all over with, hey, good morning. You literally could send four paragraphs and then go, oh, hey, good morning. Because there is an ongoing dialogue. Holy Spirit is inviting you into an ongoing dialogue. Why? Because he's the water. All you got to do is step in. 
The water's always flowing. Anytime you can step in, and what you ought to do is get to the point that you stay in. That you're not stepping in. Many of you, you pray, you go in, you come out. You go in, you put your left foot in and your left foot out, right? And then you wonder why your life is the way it is. He's like, can you just stay in here with me and let me talk to you? Because do you know I can talk to you when you're in the boardroom? Do you know that I can talk to you when you're standing at a customer service desk? Do you know that I can talk to you when you're talking to your husband? Do you know that I can talk to you when I'm talking to, when you're talking to your kids? Because the problem is, is that when you're not stepping into this river, you're limited by what you know. And what you know is usually incomplete and based on the past. What you know is incomplete and it is based on the past. I know I can't get this because I didn't get it before. I know I can get it because I did. So Joshua wins Jericho. He wins Jericho, but he doesn't ask God for instruction before he goes to Ai. Because he thinks that because he was so dominant in Jericho, he don't need no feedback from Ai. So he sends some soldiers in the AI, get their tail smashed. Smashed in the mouth. Then Joshua does what most people do. He go, God, why did you bring me out here to lose this battle? He says, hold up. I didn't bring you out here to lose this battle, but it was some key information that you didn't get before you ran off to war. Sometimes it's some key information that you don't get before you run into war. You didn't sit still long enough for the Holy Spirit to tell you what was going on with your kid. So you just think they got a bad attitude, so you keep talking to them about their bad attitude, and then you wonder why they stay the way that they are, and they're not breaking, and there's nothing in their heart that's responding to you because you haven't sat still long enough. Oh, your kid is a good kid, but you don't know they're dealing with some suicidal thoughts because they got a good face and they put on a good front. You haven't sat still long enough to get some inside information about what's going on. So I was ta I talk I've been talking to my kids. I want to do one more scripture, and then we're going to tell these two stories and get out of here. Um, Isaiah 11. Isaiah 11. Pastor Edwin gave us this scripture. When he gave us this scripture, I, um, I told my kids, I said, I want you to really practice this. And I think that this ought to be your anchor scripture every day, that you're really, that in the scripture that I just read, the Holy Spirit is going to reveal to me. So what do you need to reveal to me from this day? Listen, the Holy Spirit is like having Google and GPS in your heart, but you driving around lost. It's, he's right there available to speak, and you're driving around lost. You're driving around just hoping you go hope well, the right opportunity, the right place, the right person. He says, and there shall come forth a rod out of the stem of Jesse, and a branch shall go, grow out of his roots, and the Spirit of the Lord shall rest on him. And Pastor Elm was teaching us, here are the components of the Holy Spirit. Here's why you need the Holy Spirit. The first thing he's going to give you is wisdom. If you study that word out, it is not natural intellect. It is superior wisdom. Superior wisdom is like this. When the ch these enemies were getting ready to come against the children of Israel and they were making battle plans for them. But every night the Lord told Elijah what the battle plan was. So then Elijah told the king what the battle plan was so that the king could adjust the soldiers before the battle struck. 
It got so intense that the king of the other army said, we must have a spy in here. He said, oh, no, 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 no. It's not a spy. It's Elijah who has his ear to the voice of God, and he keeps revealing our plans. Understand that there are some setups, some backstabbing, some things you can avoid if you listen to the Holy Spirit. Because up front, he'll say, don't trust him. Up front, he'll say, save every email. Save all the communications. He don't mean for you to then go around and tell people, you know you can't trust them, the Lord told me. This. Just say the emails. Just say the emails. He says he will give you a spirit of wisdom and understanding. How many of you ever met somebody smart, but they don't have no understanding? He says he will give you wisdom and understanding. This understanding is the ability to, a proper, to properly implement what you have been taught. So he will take natural information. He will then download supernatural information on top of um, this natural information and then show you how to implement it. That is why there is no one who should be a greater counselor to you than the Holy Spirit. I was saying to one of my clients the other day, I was saying, listen, this thing is so dope that the Holy Spirit actually knows who your counselor should be. You need a therapist. You in the phone book looking. You asking for recommendations on social media instead of just saying, Holy Spirit, I need a counselor. You put somebody in the earth who already has my solution. Can you show me where my person is? Oh, and then he shows you where the person is, and then the person costs more than you think they should cost. So instead of saying, Holy Spirit, how do I pay for this person that has my answer? Instead, you dummy back and, and you take some inferior information, the inferior information being a list on Google. Jesus said it like this. He said, man does not live by bread alone but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. I'm going to tell you this, and a lot of you are not going to like this. A lot of you have been betrayed. A lot of you have had your heart broken for one reason. You ain't asked God. You ain't asked God. You didn't ask God if you should date them. You dated them because they was cute. You dated them because they said good morning every morning. You, 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 you dated them because they had good hair. You never asked God if you should date them. You never asked God if that person had capacity to be your best friend. So then you let them be your best friend, and then they betray you, and you say, I don't understand how I got here. The Holy Spirit was like, hey, pick me, pick me. You didn't ask. You didn't ask. If you ask, I'll tell. In fact, he is so, he so cannot deny himself that when Peter says to Jesus, if it's you, I want to walk on the water, all Jesus can say is, come on, boy, because if you ask him a question in truth, all he can do is reveal truth. So if you don't have truth, you didn't ask. And he, can, can you say this? Say, not only is the Holy Spirit the plug, but he wants you to win more than you do. How do I know he wants you to win more than you do? Most of us are not invested in our winning, but maybe 40% of the time. The Holy Spirit is invested in your win all the time. Every moment of every day, even while you're sitting here, he is orchestrating for you. Now, listen, I know this because this is true. How many of you have ever said, I am going to start a diet tomorrow? As you lay in bed, I'm going to start a diet tomorrow, right? And that was best for you to lose some weight. And then the Holy Spirit, you wake up in the morning, he's like, don't forget, diet, don't forget. Don't get them donuts. Then you go to work. And they brought some donuts, and they got some sprinkles on them, right? The Holy Spirit is like, 
Do not go in the break room right now. You're like, but everybody in the break room right now, the Holy Spirit is like, do not go in the break room right now. You mosey on in that break room. And at first, you just looking at the donuts. Now, at that point, you should have just left. You should have just left. You should have said, because the donuts is calling me. So, yeah, some of you ought to just take messenger off your phone. Because they couldn't talk. They only can ding you at 2 o'clock in the morning because you sleep with your sound on. That, because newfound baby booty calls require the volume to be on. You, if you don't have the volume on or you don't have messenger on your phone, they can't ding you at two and say, what you doing? And then you say nothing because they like the donuts and they're calling you. That, uh, uh, he says, and the spirit of counsel, that's that spirit of counsel. Take messenger off your phone, turn your volume off, don't go in the break room, don't get on the interstate. Some of you be so aggravated driving in the morning, but he would give you instruction and tell you when to leave, but you don't want him to tell you when to leave. So then every day you mad in traffic because you out here fighting a battle, you don't even have to fight. He says counsel and might, strength. So strength to walk away from the donuts. Strength not to say, hey, big head back. Strength, might, counsel. Might, strength, power, Holy Ghost power, raise Jesus from the dead can keep you from them donuts. Raise Jesus from the dead can keep you from sexting. Raise Jesus from the dead kind of power will help you out. Might and counsel. And then he says, and the fear of the Lord. And the fear of the Lord, I love something Chandra said in um, prayer this morning. She said, we respect you enough to do it your way. I don't know about you, but if my grandmother was alive right now, I wouldn't curse in front of her. Not because I ain't grown. I just got too much respect. Can I tell y'all something I don't mean no harm? Some of y'all ain't got no respect for nothing. You ain't got no respect for God. You don't have any respect for people. You don't have no respect for yourself because nothing can constrain you. You say what you want to say. You do what you want to do. You go where you want to go. And then you say, God, how do I keep ending up here? You don't have any reverential fear. I was talking to Clarissa the other day, and I was telling her something Kevin Hart said when I was gone last week, and I said, I'm going to say it just like he said it. I ain't fix it up because I thought the impact was in how he said it. So I say it. She leaves. She texts me. She says, I'm real uncomfortable with how easily that word came out your mouth. It didn't seem awkward. And I responded back to her and I said, actually, you're not uncomfortable at all. I said, because what you know in your heart about me is that I could cuss somebody out if I wasn't constrained by the Holy Ghost. It ain't that I can't cuss. It ain't that I don't know how to string them together. It's not that I am proficient in the language of profanity. I am proficient in it. it. It ain't that I can't cuss. I know how to appropriately place an MF. I know exactly where it drops. I know how to get it where it dig you deep in your soul and make you want to cut your wrist and pour bleach in them. But the Holy Ghost constrains me. So sometimes when I want to say, get your A, he go, nope, that's not what we doing. But you ain't constrained by nothing. And when you ain't constrained by nothing, can't nothing be constrained against you. 
So there are some things I don't do, not because I'm scared I'm going to go to hell, but because I understand I create hell. There's some things I don't say, not because it ain't, not because it ain't factual, but because I'm more interested in what heaven is doing than what the facts are. So I was talking, talking to my kids every day in the Dropbox. I mean, in group me, we're sharing what these scriptures mean. Pull me a scripture because I know that they got to be able to hear from the Holy Spirit. They got to be able to hear from the Holy Spirit. I'm talking to Chase the other day. When was that? Thursday. I'm talking to Chase. We on FaceTime. He getting ready to go to the library. And I'm like, he's like telling me, Mom, I love Clark. I love it here. This is so amazing. This is the best experience I ever had in my life. I'm so happy I'm here. So I'm getting ready to get off. And I say, hey, what's the Lord saying? His face lights up. He says, Mom, I got to tell you. He said two times the Lord told me to stay away from this guy. He said the guy was cool and we was texting. He was really friends of a friend. He wasn't really my friend. So both times when the Lord said it, I just distanced myself in the group from that guy. He said, Mom, today he got arrested for selling drugs on campus. She said, he said, Mom, he ain't look like a drug dealer. He said, but the Holy Spirit told me he wasn't my people. Some of you breaking bread with people that the Holy Spirit told you won your people. But I'm going to give them one more chance. We grew up together. That's my best friend. That's my cousin. That's my sister. But you breaking bread and coming back and trying to justify to God while you're staying in what he already told you to come out. Do you not understand that the enemy would like nothing better than to get that kid right there caught up in some kind of drug charge that he didn't have nothing to do with. And so the Holy Ghost says reroute, reroute. I know that kid seemed cool. Back up. And he did it. He, the Holy Spirit doesn't say to him back up because he's a drug dealer. Very rarely will the Holy Spirit give you the why. The why is birth when you mature. In the beginning, it's just can you follow instructions? Last story, and then you can get your offering ready. This is the offering teaching. So, everybody knows I went to Grant Cardone's 10X last week. And um, one of the instructions, reading is fundamental, one of the instructions is that you could not bring a big purse in that you had to bring a four by eight purse in. Every woman in here is like, who the freak even has a four by eight purse? And why would you have it? But it was the biggest thing you could take in. So when I'm looking for the purse, because at first I'm trying to figure out, are they really gonna keep the four by eight or can I get a little bit bigger than the four by eight? The Holy Spirit is like, you need to follow instructions. So I'm looking for a purse, looking for a purse, looking for a purse, and this yellow bag comes up, and the Holy Spirit says, that's the bag. And I think, man, I don't want no yellow purse. What am I going to do with a yellow purse? What am I going to do with that? And it's tiny. So I keep going back to black purses and brown purses. And every time I go to a black and brown purse, the Holy Spirit says, get that yellow purse. So finally, I just pull the trigger before I can talk myself out of it, right? I buy the yellow purse, the yellow purse comes. I get to, um, I get to, to, the, um, to the event, I'm wearing the yellow purse. And um, do you have a picture? Can y'all pull it up? So I had a picture, I'm here, just the one of me by myself. 
So this is the first day. So it's the first day of thing. I got this yellow purse, right? I didn't say it wasn't cute. I said I didn't want a yellow purse. I'm not sure what. I didn't say he asked me to get an ugly purse. Y'all tell them to listen. They all gotta listen. Okay, thank you though. It's cute. So I got this purse on, and if you notice, I have these leopard print earrings on. So I get it's twelve thousand people at the event. Say twelve thousand. It's 12,000 people at the event, and that doesn't include the casino, everybody that's in the casino. I get back to my room at the end of the day, and I only have one earring. I have the right earring. I don't have the left earring. I want these earrings because Pastor Elwin gave me these earrings two years ago for Christmas. I really need this earring back. So I take the earring out that I have, and I lay it on the the dresser, and I say, Holy Spirit, I know it's 12,000 people here. 12,500 is what the registration said. And I know you know where my earring is. And I really need my earring back. And I don't really care how you do it. Matter of fact, you can send it home. Now see, because y'all don't believe in supernatural, you don't believe that God could take an earring that was lost in Vegas and put it in your dresser drawer at home. But because I've seen it happen, I know it can. So I was like, listen, I want you to know I, I, I don't have no vested interest in how you do this story. I just need my earring back. Day goes on, go to the night session, whatever, get up the next morning. I see the earring and I just say, thank you. I thank you and I take it and I put it in my bag because putting it in my bag is my act of faith that I'm going to get the match because why would you keep the one if you don't expect the second one back, right? I go through the stuff the whole day. As I'm getting ready to leave, this girl says, hey, come here. As I'm walking to her, she pulls out the earring. She says, is this your earring? I said, oh, my God, God used you to answer my prayer. It's, she said, is this your, She said, I saw you with the earring yesterday. I noticed your outfit. I noticed your bag. And she said, now here's the interesting thing. She's sitting two rows behind me. She says, and I noticed your earring was in your seat when you left. Wait. So God is so strategic that he has passed for me and he knows that I am going to lose this earring and because he knows me, he knows I'm going to ask for the earring back. So he has to go back in time and get me to buy a yellow purse. And then, here was the interesting thing. When I picked my seat, I said to Edwin, I said, I want an end seat. They only had one end seat in the arena left in the VIP section. I took that seat. So now he's got to orchestrate that it's only that one VIP seat left for me to take it on the end. Then he's got to orchestrate that there's a girl who loves fashion who's sitting two rows behind me. And then he's got to orchestrate that she's going to notice that my earring is in the seat and pick it up. And he does all of that before I ever get to the room and notice that the earring is missing I don't think you really heard that it's an earring guys it wasn't a diamond it wasn't expensive I wanted it because it was mine and the father has already orchestrated to get me everything that's mine back to me so without my without me knowing he's leading me step by step pick this seat right here buy this purse right here do this right here but he's also leading someone who doesn't know that they're involved in my story Say right now, God is orchestrating on my behalf for moments that haven't happened yet. 
that changed something in me. See, understand, God is mindful of you. That's why he gave you the Holy Spirit to be the plug. He already knows where the job is. He already knows where the supervisor is that should hire you. He already knows which car. He already knows which finance company. He already knows which diet. He already knows what exercise. He already knows what spouse. He already knows what city. He already knows. And he's so mindful of you that if you just say yes, you'll find that your whole life you'll get to this moment and when you work it out backwards all the way back you'll find out that the whole way he was like go this way I'll show you which way to go do this I'll teach you how to profit move this way I'll work it for your good I promise Sean I will not lie to you I swear to God I'll keep my word I am not a man that I should lie I will do what I said An earring, an earring. You tripping over your rent, an earring. You tripping over how you gonna get the house. He's the one who said, I'll give you houses you didn't build. He's the one that said, I'll prosper you everywhere you put your hands. He's the one that said it. God, I just wanna find love. So I just talked to anybody who talked to me. He gave me an earring. You don't think he got a life partner? You'll walk back over your life. You'll see. Everywhere I went, he was orchestrating my steps. I had to write Chris a letter for her birthday. I thought, this is how dope God is. If you look at me and Edwin's history, we crossed paths and almost ended up in the same place several times. We both contemplated going to Howard. He went to Morehouse, came back. I thought about going to Spelman. He got admitted to the U of A on a scholarship. I got admitted to UCA on a scholarship. But he went to UCA and I went to U of A. But all the time, he was orchestrating time. All the time, he was orchestrating time. All the time, because he knew that he wanted to birth the Fellowship of Champions. He knew that it was supposed to be five Camp Street kids. And so he needed a girl from Fordyce and a girl and a good dude from Conway to connect. So he allows that girl to become best friends with somebody that was his best friend. And then he leaves him to come to my house for a seemingly random encounter that changes my life. Because all the while... All the while, he's orchestrating it. You think it's chance. You think it's accident. But all the while, he's orchestrating it. And he knows that I'm going to need a Kristen. And Kristen's going to need a me. And I'm going to need a Tamara. And Tamara's going to need a me. And they think they're coming for school. And I think I'm coming for school. But all the while, God is connecting family because even though I didn't have them, they mine. And you think your life is so accidental and you think that God is so unconcerned and you think that it's just happenstance that you've ended up in these moments, but you're going to look back and see that all the while, he was orchestrating. He is the great orchestrator. He is the great chess player. 
when he's trying to get Jesus into the earth because he's given the earth over to men he can't get Jesus into the earth unless he can get a man to make an exchange for his own son so he picks a man named Abram who doesn't have any kids he says to Abram he says Abram he says look at the stars that's how many kids you go have look at the sand that's how many kids you go have and here's what's so super dope about it when he's telling Abram to look at the sand he's not standing at the beach he's in the desert He's not at the beach. We think sand. We think beach. He know he's standing in the desert. And he says to him, Abraham, as far as your eyes can see, that's what I'm going to give you. Except Abram doesn't have a kid. But God is orchestrating. He's orchestrating it. He's orchestrating it because he is the great orchestrator. So he gives Abram his son. He changes his name and he says, you've been called Abram, but that's the wrong name for you. Some of you have been answering to names that aren't your name. He says to Abram, your name is Abraham. That means father of many nations. So he now uses Abraham's name to prophesy his destiny. That's why you go to Fellowship of Champions because you might have come a loser, but we're trying to prophesy that you're a winner. We're trying to prophesy you into your next. We're trying to prophesy you into overcoming because we know who you really are even when you don't know who you really are. He gets this son and then God says to him he says Abraham my friend I need a favor from you I need you to sacrifice your son but now Abraham is so intimately acquainted with God and he's clearly talked about God so much because if you read the story Isaac was not a boy Isaac was a man Isaac actually carries the wood. So Abraham is following God. God is asking for something that seems crazy. You gave me a son to ask for my son. But he says something interesting that lets me know that sometimes you obeying God, you can't fully track him, but you're still obeying him. When, Ab when Isaac says, what are we going to do for the sacrifice? What Abraham says is, the Lord will provide. They get all the way up there. They prepare the altar. If you ever go back in the Old Testament, preparing the altar, you ain't just throw some wood. It's a procedure to prepare an altar. And Abraham lays Isaac down. And the Bible says as he lifts the knife up, the voice of the Lord says, you ain't got to do it. There's a ram in the bush. In your carnal mind, you say, what was God doing? God had made a promise before the foundation that the lamb was slain. But in order to get the lamb into the earth, he had to get a man to come into agreement with him. He couldn't bring a son unless somebody offered a son. So he gives Abraham a son and invites Abraham to partner with him so he can get us all back on path. Abraham asked him before he has Isaac, he says, God, how will I know that this shall be. In Hebrews it says this, that God says, Abraham, when I look at my vast greatness and everything I've made, I can't swear by nothing but myself. I could swear by the moon, but I made it. I could swear by that sand I told you to look at. <laughs> made that too. I could swear by the ocean, but I spoke it into being. He says, Abraham, here is how you know you can trust me. This is my favorite story in the Bible. 
It's my favorite story in the Bible because I grew up in a house where you could not say, I swear to God. But in the Bible, God says about himself, he says, Abraham, I swear to God, I'll bless you. That don't mean anything to people who don't have restraint on their mouth. But literally what he said to Abraham is, Kristen Valley, you can so trust me to honor my word that if I ever don't honor my word, I'll get off the throne and stop being God. You think he can't pay your bills. You think he can't heal anxiety. You think he can't deal with mental illness. You think he can't restore a broken heart. You think you got to carry that grief. But he said, I swear to God, I'll do everything I said because I am God. And besides me, there is no other. There is no name that is greater than any other name. It is the name that makes every other knee bow. And to ensure that you get what I said, I'll give you my power. To ensure that you have victory over depression, I'll give you my power. To ensure that you have victory over scarcity, I will give you my power. I am withholding nothing. If you give me everything, you'll have everything. 